Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are here to talk about the comics that came out on January 8th, 2020. And uh, we're going to start with the first issue of the new Batman creative team of James Tynion IV and Tony Daniel, Batman number 86. Um... So I, I I think I speak for all three of us when I say that we were pretty happy that Tynion was going to be the writer on this book, even if we felt like it was a it was a safe choice. Tynion's done good work in the Bat family before, and he's a reliable guy who usually brings some good stuff to a book. But I think all of us were a little bit underwhelmed by the um, the idea of more Tony Daniel Batman art, just because we've gotten so much of it over the last few years. So I guess my question for you guys is, did this issue surprise you either on the story or the art front? Zach, you want to go first? Sure. Not on story. Not that I didn't like the story. It just I wouldn't say it surprised me. Um, I thought the story was good. Fine. I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. I thought that the art was pretty good um i i generally enjoyed this issue it was crumpulent plus <laughs> yeah i think that's a good way to say it like i feel like um first of all no no surprises in this thing at all like not a single not a single hair was out of place, if you know what I mean. Um, it, it was it was your standard introductory issue of a new Batman arc that's not going to, at least in its first uh, installment, break a ton of ground, right? Like, this issue is meant to explain to the reader that, like, Look, it's a new writer. There are going to be some uh, dangling story pieces hanging over from the Tom King run, but we are not shaking anything up right away here. And um, I don't think it was boring, but you know, there's there's not going to be much to talk about either. Um, the art, you know, I'm not a huge tony daniel guy but i also don't think his art is bad like it's, no it's no it's good to look at it's good good to look at it <laughs> that'll be on the With... cover of, of batman number 90 good to look at Vincent Strasky, <laughs> the comments. yep yep <laughs> yep it it definitely helped that tom umore was coloring in it yes ah, there you go he is very good with tony daniel um and i continue to like I'm jumping ahead here, and we can go back, but I just want to mention the art on it. The backup with the Gia March art and the mm -hmm. little, like, Joker. I love the little Joker clowns. They're, like, these dumpy little, uh, you know, red shirts that end up all getting torched. And um, uh, I just love the way he draws them. They they look like total buffoons. And, like, I think he's just he's just such a fun artist. So I like that he has a place uh, on this run somewhere. Um, yes, but yeah, you know, yeah, I'm enjoying uh, these backups actually. Yes. Um, you know, the one at the end of the Tom King issue and then this one, um, 
I guess, setting up for this, uh, you know, big Joker story that we're supposedly going to get, which I do not need another Joker story <laughs> for the rest of my entire life. Never again. But um, if this story is going like the way it seems with this being like the Batman equivalent of the truth arc or whatever, um, I'm I'm in for that. Sure. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to work this way. But I'm definitely getting vibes of the uh, Francesco Francavia backups for the Black Mirror stuff, mm, where, where there yeah. was this sort of separate story that eventually dovetailed into the main story. And I think that maybe could be a similar technique here. But the difference is that there's not going to be the equivalent of Jock doing all of the other stuff. You know what I mean? Well, um, yeah. I mean, we've already, so we know, like, Tony Daniels on right now, but Jorge Jimenez is joining the book right soon. I don't know if we know which issue yet. Maybe we do. I believe it's in March. He, he comes on the okay, road. okay. Um, which that'll be a big win for the book. Yes. You know, so nothing. Yeah. I I had a couple of thoughts about this issue. Um, I echo everything you guys said. I don't think there was anything too surprising in this. Um, I think in a lot of ways, this is a very standard Tony Daniel drawn issue. Like it even has Deathstroke, which is another Tony Daniel sort of favorite character <laughs> in there, you know. Um, but I, I, there were two things I did want to point out that I really liked about this issue. I really liked Bruce calling to Alfred for help only to yes. realize that he wasn't there. Like that was just that was an understated moment of Tynion showing how much Alfred is a part of Bruce and how it's going to take a while for him to not do that. Mm -hmm. That was an excellent... And it wasn't overplayed. You know, it was just a small moment. I liked that. The other thing I liked was I liked Selena's role in this issue. Um, yes. Having her as not just... I mean, yes, she did some stuff as Catwoman, but she was more there as, as you know, in her outside of her costume doing recon work for Bruce. Uh, I, I liked that. And I'll even say, I thought that, you know, I don't want to get fanboyish here and talk about the who would win in a, an actual fight between Deathstroke and Batman, because that stuff is silly. But I really liked the sort of back and forth between the two of them when it came to, like, um, the type of rope that Bruce used, so that when Slade would cut it, it would... It would uh, incapacitated him like all that I liked the sort of these are the two most prepared guys in the DC universe I liked the the tete-a-tete -tete between the two of them I thought that was good yeah not surprising um, or like you know fascinating at all but just a solid crumulent crump what is it was it crumpulent plus crumpulent crumpulent plus though right that was the term that Zach used that that, that was what I used okay. yes well, yeah I, I'm all for that this is a crumpulent plus comic <laughs> Um, yeah, so I have a few other more specific things to say, I guess, about this. Um, I liked this sort of ragtag team of not major Batman villains that is gathering together. Um, Cheshire, Merlin, G Gunsmith, and Mr. Teeth. Well, Cheshire and Merlin are really uh, Green Arrow villains, too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's sort of more to your point. They're not the traditional Batman villains. Right. Right. Um, I, I also noticed that Gotham has a new mayor. And I think that, like, since the new 52 started, they must have had, like, a dozen mayors so far. Um, am I wrong about that? Like, no, I feel like I, I feel like every no arc idea. starts with a new mayor, like, and then a mayor, like, gets killed or something. I swear to God, they've had, like, a dozen mayors since, since 2011. Uh, and this one's name is Mayor Dunch, which sounds like a Tim and Eric name. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, <laughs> I was hoping it'll be Mayor Goldie Wilson from Back to the Future. <laughs> the other thing uh, we haven't talked about yet is a couple of Batman's new tech things. Uh, one of which is something called the Shadow Casters, which is this <laughs> these like little things that project his static image around to fool, to fool the villains. <laughs> To, to spook nincompoops and lamos to paraphrase <laughs> drill. <laughs> drill has a prank tip where you leave, you leave piles of human bones around to spook <laughs> nincompoops and weirdos. Um, which I thought that was kind of a, that was kind of a strange. Like I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> that seems that's, like that's, a thing Batman would try and do. Yeah, maybe. I just yeah. How dumb are these bad guys? But. Um, but the other thing, the night climber, which Batman I was get Batman get Mac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Batman's got an Ava now. Um, and uh, the 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 funny thing about it though was that they never give you a really good look at it. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. So like, yes. I'm, yeah, I was waiting for the I was waiting for like the single page spread where it's the giant back mech and he's like getting into it. And we never got it, and then it goes away. And I'm hoping we get to see that in some future issue. I, ho- I hope they don't just like. Well, doesn't it? Don't we get a look at the variant? Doesn't it turn into an airplane? <laughs> it turns into essentially the the like bat plane. Yeah. Which, so yeah, you get a look at it in that form, but that's not that's not exactly novel because he flies around in a plane all the time. You know. Sure. Yeah. Um. I want to see the the bat Gundam. God damn it. Well. Um, <laughs> Didn't we remind me? I may be mistaken, but didn't um, didn't the Monster Man arc have uh, like Power Rangers or like Voltron type thing where they had these different mechs that combined? Or was that kind of like that didn't happen? I think they they all had vehicles, <laughs> right? But they never. And I kind of thought that they were going to combine, but that didn't happen. We wanted them to, and, yes. and it never and happened. It didn't. Okay. Well, hopefully that's what Voltron this is going to be. I yeah. I need I need Batron. Yes. I need it. I need that too. Uh and then just the last thing I want to mention about this story is that I, I did get major new fifty two vibes when Bruce was fighting Slade and at one point he says like shut the fuck up or something like that. Yes, like he yeah. uses he uses a he uses a He says uh, shut the fuck up and fight me. Yeah, there you go. And I just feel like like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that, but that comes off as like new fifty two ed like that's something they would have done in the first issue of a new fifty two book to have been like, Wow, Bruce isn't playing around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This Not isn't your daddy's the same Batman. Bruce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
it's not a knock against the book, but I, it was it was something I noticed. Like, ah, this is this is somebody on their first issue. Like, Bruce isn't messing around anymore. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think this is a a fine first issue, and I'm reasonably excited to see where the book goes from here. I still can't help but feel like this is just to tide us over until 5G or whatever that thing is actually going to be. For sure. You know, which is a bit unfair to Tynion because Tynion deserves a shot at a good long bat run. Again. Yeah, I, I think the fact that he had that nice long detective run is... You know, I, I think that mitigates this a little bit, you know? Like, yeah, he he would deserve a long run on a on a on a on the main bat title, but to be honest, like after that detective run, which is maybe the best thing I've seen him write, maybe I want to see him also get out of the bat universe for a while. Well, he has been but, out for a while. I know, but like, I'd love to see him doing Superman or something completely sure, different, sure, okay. you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's been out of the bat universe, but, but everything he does has kind of been like either bat adjacent or, um, like D- DC main, uh, event style stuff, like mm-hmm. the justice league, justice do more. And then whatever tie in books. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him, get off into some other corner that he's not been in. I would, uh, I would maybe go for giving Tynion like a green lantern book, like maybe after Morrison is done. Yeah. Maybe like a GLC or something. Yes. If he did a GLC book in the same spirit as the detective comics stuff, you know, a chance to let some like unexpected characters shine a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would actually be really good. Um, I, well, I would be down for that when we're Give hired. Me. When we're hired as the editor triumvirate of the <laughs> yes post five G DC publishing, yes, we'll we make are, it happen. We are all available for this job. Don't let don't let the rumors out there that we're not looking for new work uh, play into this. We're, we're in. <laughs> we're good. Uh, any other notes on on Batman? No, I don't think so. All right, well, let's move on over to. Uh, let's see what do we have next. Hawkman. Oh no, sure. Daphne Burn. No, let's go to Daphne Burn number one. Vince's, Vince's favorite book of the week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, written by Laura Marks, illustrated by Kelly Jones. Uh, Vince, which page from this do you have earmarked as your back tattoo? <laughs> Well, I'm a little bummed because I thought that this was going to be about David Byrne's daughter. You may find yourself reading a Hill House book. <laughs> uh, I have called this book David Byrne more times than I care to admit. Yeah, so. Have you guys have you guys watched the John Mulaney Sack Lunch Bunch? Yes. I have not yes. yet. No. David Byrne. <laughs> David Byrne's in it. Yeah, he's got a couple bits in there. Uh Jake Gyllenhaal should win an award for playing the music band. He should. He should. Or Mr. Music. Sorry. That's Mr. it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. I Brian, very, you got to watch it. I am it. very excited to see it. I just have not had a chance to watch it yet. 
Jake Gyllenhaal becomes unhinged. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, not to derail us further, but I saw like a great like beginning end of the decade tweet that was Jake Gyllenhaal in 2010 doing Prince of Persia, and then <laughs> and then 2019 and then Mr. was Mr. Music. <laughs> Oh, oh do flowers exist at night? Oh, I don't know. Do they? <laughs> all right, don't spoil all the shit from me. Okay, watch it soon. Right. okay, okay. <laughs> this would be like if I came on here and had the audacity to talk about Joker, which you guys have not seen yet. <laughs> Academy <laughs> Award nominated Joker. <laughs> I already know that that the freaking Joker. Or it's not even the freaking Joker, is it? Somebody kills his parent, kills Bruce Wayne's parents. I know. I already know. I had it spoiled. I'm the spoiler boy. Spoilers for the Joker, everybody. <laughs> Spoilers. Man, Zach's right. becoming a little unhinged. Yeah, seriously. Um, okay, Daphne Byrne. Oh, Daphne I guess Byrne. you should timestamp market. I don't <laughs> want to offend anybody. I just in in my rage, I. <laughs> lost all regard for <coughs> I forgot that we lived in a society <laughs> alright so uh, hang on Vince you gotta talk for a minute I gotta find I had written something in my phone I wanted to say about this book so you guys talk for a minute while I find this oh boy okay well I guess we should just be upfront about this right everybody knows and it's like one of the uh, DC3 <laughs> cast memes that I'm not the biggest fan of Kelly Jones's art um, and I know that's a personal problem, something I probably have to get over if we're going to continue doing this show because, you know, he shows up from time to time, but, um, time after time, even time after time when you're lost, you can look and you will see this art. Um, I don't, uh, I, the, my, my major problem with it, cause I don't think that this. There's nothing in this issue that looks terrible or anything. And this isn't like a poorly written issue or anything. But there's just... There's some scenes where I'm not even certain what is supposed to be going on because of the art. And specifically, I want to talk about the last page. Which we'll we'll get to after we talk more about this. But like... Part of it is that I just find the art confusing sometimes and not in a way that's supposed to be like, I don't feel like it's supposed to be intriguing. I just think it it doesn't always line up with what I'm supposed to think is going on. I, I don't know. This is a this is just a hang up that I can already tell that, you know, Jeremy and some of our listeners are going to be yelling at me <laughs> for this. But uh, uh I just can't, I could not get over it to enjoy this book. Zach, what say you? I I didn't so much have a problem with the art in this book just because like I'm not the biggest Kelly Jones fan, but I feel like he very much does like fit the style of kind of like 90s Vertigo. You know, he reminds me a lot of um crap. Who is the first artist on Sandman? Yeah, um Oh, um uh, Sam Keith. Was it Sam Keith? No, Sam Keith didn't do the first one. Oh, I thought that's who Zach was referencing, though. No, he, yeah. He, he does mean, uh, somewhat resemble uh, Sam Keith, but... Um, it's, um... Crap. Why can't I think of it? 
Hang on. Why can't you guys think of it? I know. I'm having to look it no, up. No, I think it was Sam Keith. The first? I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, it was Sam Keith. Yeah, really? it reminds me. Yeah, it was, which like I thought God, too. You like, made me sound like right. an idiot now. Well, it's I, because I, when I think of Sam Keith, I think of like the Max or something. Like yeah, I think of something same. more like that. No, I feel like his his early Sandman work is like way different. Um, but it reminds me of that. Um, so I feel like that's a good fit for this book. But man, this book, like, I don't even know what this was. <laughs> it, it felt like not a story. All right, so here's what I have written on my phone, okay? Uh, this book is on a road to nowhere. We're given a glimpse of heaven, but it makes me wish I was burning down the house. I wanted this to be a wild, wild life, but it didn't even have a psycho killer. I wish I was blind. I wanted an interesting character, and she was, but it turned out to be nothing but flowers. I'm glad I only have to read this issue once in a lifetime. It felt like life during wartime. That's all I have to say about this boring fucking book. Who gives a shit? Nothing happens in this book. Ah, this, book, this is the first Hill House book that made me mad. I feel like Kelly Jones's art, whether you like it or not, is very dynamic and can be really trippy and weird. So let's just have a book take place in people's houses with not much going on. Ugh. <laughs> Zach, are you too young to have caught all that? I didn't. Is that a song heads. or something? It's all talking heads. I, I referenced like 15 talking head songs in there. All right. Um, well, well done. Bye. I at least know who David Byrne is, okay? <laughs> but only because of John Mulaney and the sack. No, well, no, uh, no, thank you, honestly. Be- only because of, of St. Vincent. There. Oh, this giant, yeah. <laughs> this ain't no party. This ain't no disco. Let's, let's. Yeah. No, um, my, my one note I will say about this book, uh, in terms of story, aside from it just being boring, is I felt like there were a couple of moments where you could see an interesting turn coming around the corner and then it took a much more boring choice. Like this book, I think the Hill House books for the most part have been relatively bold in their storytelling choices. And this was about as safe of a book as you could get as you could get. So Yeah, I mean the the, the premise of the book, at least so far, well, I'm not even sure what the premise of the, the series is. But the the story of this issue is that there's this girl named Daphne Byrne and her father is dead and her mother goes to a medium and is trying to speak, apparently speaking to the dead uh, through this medium, through this like group seance that they do. And only by the end, you, you find out that it might not be real but also there's some supernatural stuff that may or may not be happening through Daphne's dreams or something. Um, like she goes to this, this dreamscape and, and you know, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm reciting the plot here. Keep in mind that I'm only kind of certain that this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Daphne's like in this dreamscape where somebody's leading her dot to this like rat infested cellar where they're going to show her her real father or whatever at the end of the book. And the, the reason I'm getting to, I, I want to get to the part that I was really confused about and it was the arts fault, I think, or at least the, the art and the story mixing in her dream or whatever, she's has to sacrifice this pig, but then she wakes up and she's got blood on her hands. This is the very last page. 
And I'm not sure, like, the intentional thing is maybe you're not supposed to be sure where the blood came from between the dream and the reality. But if that's the case, then fine. But, like, if I'm supposed to know where the blood came from, it's it's totally lost on me in the art. It's on her hands. So are we to think, like, okay, she cut herself in real life? Or is she bleeding from her stomach and she's, like, holding it together with her hands? You you really can't tell. And there's nothing helping you decipher what you've seen at all. See, I and have taken that as being like this is you know that there is some crossover between the dream state and the real world yeah and maybe but again there's nothing in the art that helps you along in that way and this is okay perfect contrast to the the book that we talked about a few weeks ago the lolo woods mm-hmm. where in that comic there are some surreal images that you're not supposed to know whether they're reality or not but but you're you're never confused about like i am i'm literally confused about the source or the placement of the blood like again like it almost looks like it's maybe coming from her stomach it looks like it's maybe just on her fingertip like i don't know i can't even interpret the image that i'm looking at whereas in the lolo woods you can interpret everything you may not understand the whys or the dots that are being connected just yet, because that's part of the story's mystery. But I was never confused at the static image that I was looking at, you know, whereas I just feel like this is too, uh, unable to be interpreted, you know, just, just visually looking at the picture. It's too confusing. I did not have any problems with the art in this book. Um, yeah, well, you guys never do when it comes to. No, college. I, I, I mean, I, I was gonna say this is just this is just a, a clear difference of opinion. Yeah, you know, this is Prince versus the Smiths. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, that's a Vince isn't like Prince. I don't like the Smiths. Yeah, but I, the Smiths are canceled now. Yeah, well, you like or the canceled man, Mar- baby. Is. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking of that stinger where you sang that song. That was a fake, <laughs> fake Smith song. That makes me laugh. Uh, this joke's not funny anymore, Brian. Uh, <laughs> it's preserved forever in posterity on two episodes. So deal with it. Uh, Zach, any other Daphne Byrne thoughts or you're good to move on? No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Then let's do it. Let's get out of here. Let's talk about Hawkman. Hawkman number 20, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by Fernando Passarin. Um. So, Zach, why don't you start talking about this? I feel like Vince and I dominated that last conversation. So, why don't you share your Hawkman thoughts? My Hawkman thoughts. Um, this issue was fine. Um, again, uh, you know, I feel like this book was kind of a surprise for us from the from the get go, and um, I feel like somehow Venditti is making the um the infected storyline be more interesting than it than it has a right to be maybe um i i don't know i i didn't feel like this was like particularly groundbreaking or anything or it it was fine i liked it i don't have a lot to say about it unfortunately um 
what I what I popped hard for was the uh, <laughs> Jesus. I'm using pop in the wrestling term, like you cheered hard for. Like, mm, I thought. Oh, never mind. I, I, pop, I was not popped talking, hard. Was just interesting. I, I was not. I was not popping a boner over this book. Um, but no, I, I really like how Venditti is. Well, first of all, he, you choosing Hawkman as one of the infected is fun because you can make it a past life of him that is the infected, which is what Venditti did here. So it's not like I, I think that sometimes with these evil insert X hero books you wind up with characters acting so out of character uh i shouldn't have said characters out of character that's bad sentence structure but you know you get like like supergirl acts so unlike kara when she's infected whereas you don't have to do that when you have just it, it's a different personality but it makes sense because it's hawkman right so that 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 helps this book a little bit but what i popped for was um sort of bringing in all of the heroes that we associate as being Hawkman's, like, closest allies between Hawkwoman and Adam Strange and uh, the Atom. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. I I think that, you know, uh, the best Hawkman stories are the ones where he's teaming up with somebody else, for me at least. And so to bring those three characters together to sort of uh, try and bring him out of the infection is is a, is a good thing yeah i i liked that i did like that i liked the um i liked the weird like knights of ren death cult at the beginning with uh with uh what is the the ranian cart cart carter i don't know <laughs> I just like hearing you try and pronounce this word. <laughs> it's weird. Um, uh, I liked it though. Um, yeah, this book continues to uh, look good, um, even though Hitch is gone. Um, I think Pasaran is a good is a good fit for this book. Um, yeah, I. I all things considered, yeah, I do. I, I I enjoy this issue pretty well. Vince, yeah, I Brian, you kind of stole my comment about pairing Hawkman, and especially pairing Hawkman with these like, um, you know, second and third tier Justice League offshoot characters, mm-hmm. um, like like the Adam, um, or you know, uh. Adam Strange and, and Hawkman are it is a that's a popular pairing over the years. Um, yeah, I they, think they had that the whole Ran Thanagar thing going on. So yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, I think uh, you know that shows Venditti is able to stay true to the meta history of. Hawkman and the characters that he's kind of touched over the years or whatever and also and also playing well with the very literal and complicated history of the character within the comics themselves. I continue to be impressed with the way that he's taken this really convoluted history of Hawkman and not really run away from it and not spend too much time on it as to get bogged down with it but still using it constantly to generate uh, drama for the storytelling or whatever, you know, like, yeah. And that all comes down to 
that initial change where Hawkman was not just reincarnated across time, but also across space. Like, yeah. Just just making that one change to the origin really did open up so much for this book. Definitely. Um, and, you know, yeah, this ends up being another nice issue of, of what's been a really good run so far. And that's even with having a 2019 villain of the year, the okay. Batman who laughs in this book, which, you know, if I never saw him again for the rest of my life, it'd be fine. Um, yeah, this, this continues to be so much fun. There's a giant Hawkman in this as there well. Is, there is a giant Hawkman. Um, <laughs> uh, Overall, I feel like one of the I had interviewed Venditti right when the first issue either had come out or was about to come out, and he mentioned that he wanted to bring a little bit of Indiana Jones into this because Carter is an archaeologist, and I feel like we have gotten less of that than I thought we would. But when they find like the ruins of a giant Hawkman someplace, that that scratches that itch a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Yeah, I actually, I, I wanted to just echo what Zach said about the art, too. I thought that Pissarin did a very nice job with this issue. Um, he has the unenviable task of trying to draw Carter Hall, not Hawkman, <laughs> like, who basically has no distinguishing characteristics whatsoever. And so, uh, you know, I, I feel like we talk all the time about how no one knows how to draw uh, Lois Lane. Uh, similarly, I don't think, I mean, if you had to describe what Carter Hall looks like, you'd probably say, like, handsome, has hair. <laughs> you know, that's about it. So he did a pretty good job of uh, uh, of giving him a little bit of personality in his looks as well. So, yeah. I enjoyed this issue. Um, well, let's take a break. And uh, when we come back, we will discuss the final two books of the week. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinbro, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back to talk about Supergirl. Uh, this is the second of the infected books that we're talking about this week. We didn't do the infect. What do we call it? That's not the infected corner or whatever. We talked about all those ones, but we're doing this one. Uh, Supergirl number 38. Uh, written by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Rachel Stott, the uh, Doctor Who 13th Doctor crew coming over to do a couple issues of Supergirl. Uh, first, let's just mention the good in this issue, Crypto. Crypto is always good. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he's a, a good, good boy. Um, from there, I, you know, I, I don't want to keep being the guy who beats the all these infected books are the same drum all the time, but to a certain degree, all these infected books are the same. Um, I felt that this one 
because of the crypto thing, helped it feel a little bit different. And I really liked a bit at the end of this book. We'll talk about that later. But before we get to the very end of the book, do you guys have any particular thoughts on this issue? Uh, I just I I really like uh, Rachel Stott's art. Mm-hmm. It's not like like it's not going to blow you away or anything, but it's in that sort of like Marcus Toe, very like clean, handsome looking style. Every, you know, everything looks kind of right. All the all the expressions are right and everything. Um, it's not going to blow you away with its like layouts or or panel work or sequencing or anything like that but it's just it's really nice to look at (laughs) i realize i I said that about tony daniel as well but like yes (laughs) were you gonna say there's a not face somewhere no no i was not uh there probably is there's if you look hard (laughs) enough there are no faces everywhere Um, yeah no there's one panel where she draws wonder woman she's upside down like she just kicked Supergirl in the face. It's a really nicely constructed panel. That's, that was one panel that really stood out to me. It's like just mm. a beautifully constructed panel. It's towards the, it's like um, maybe the second to last uh, page of the book or third to last page of the book, somewhere in there. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I did want to say about her design, uh, right, the way Rachel Stott draws infected um, Supergirl looks a lot to me, and I mean this as as a very very high compliment. It could have been like a Death of Superman era uh, character design. Like there, there's a certain bit of '90s nostalgia to the way that that Stott draws her. I feel that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like yes, <laughs> I could totally see like that being one of the four or five extreme Supermen that we yeah. get. You yeah. Know? yeah. Zach, what do you think of this issue? Um. I didn't like it as much as Hawkman, um, just in terms of plot. Although I did, I did really like the art. Um, but I this this book commits the the comic book cardinal sin of telegraphing the the events of the comic on the cover. Um, yes. Which Especially I didn't with a guest star, I feel like DC yeah. is so guilty of that all the time. Uh, yeah, a guest star that shows up in the third act first shows up on the cover. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, it's whatever, not a big deal. But for, I did feel like it was a little light on content, um, a, a little slight, and and having that reveal which isn't even really a reveal but it would have been just like a nice little surprise you know to be like oh yeah wonder woman's here but especially because i think it's bruce says earlier in the issue like i know just who to send there and if you you don't know what's coming oh who's he gonna send there but it's obvious yeah well even that even that is like even if that wasn't wonder woman on the cover then you would have been like oh he's talking about diana <laughs> right well, but still it's you know i know but i almost i almost wish instead of like i knowing i know just who to send he would say like diana's I just, on her way <laughs> no no i would i know just what to do or something like that where it, it wouldn't so in this in this perfect world it wouldn't be spoiled on the cover but then it also wouldn't be spoiled by uh bruce saying uh I'm clearly going to be sending the one of the Trinity that is not in this room right now, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that ending. 
Yeah, so uh, Wonder Woman wraps Kara up in the golden lasso, and Kara begins to... She still looks infected, but she starts to speak like the Kara of old. And do you guys believe this is for real, or is this a fake-out? Oh, I think it's real. I think it's... That's the one really nice thing that these infective, infected books have been doing, which is that... In their own way, each of them has kind of been teasing you with the different ways that either the heroes are going to figure out how to solve this problem or the reader is let in on the fact that somewhere inside these infected are versions of themselves that that realize that they are infected and they're looking from like the outs, they're looking like from the inside out, but they can't do anything, you know? Yeah. This, this is just another, we saw that with, um, blue beetle. We saw that we, we see that with, uh, you know, the fact that the infected Hawkman is like you said, Brian, it's this other version of, it's a past version of Carter. Right. So each one of these gets a little bit, different spin on that idea. And I really like the idea that the golden lasso is going to be the thing that cuts to the truth of who Supergirl is, even while she's infected. That's a really nice touch. So I, I do think it's real because I think that's too good of a, that's too good of a solution for this problem to not use it. I'd be disappointed if they went in a different direction from that. Sure. Sure. I was thinking about this when we were reading the books for this week, which was that there are a number, you know, are there five or six, inf there are six infected characters, right? Blue uh, Beetle, Shazam, Supergirl, Hawkman, Donna Gordon. Troy, and Gordon, right? Yes. Yeah, and so there are three of them that have their own monthly title and three that don't. So, like, Gordon shows up lots of places even without his own title. But it's so weird to me, and we all know why this is the case, but it's so weird to me that Shazam both has his own title and is infected, but the title has nothing to do with him being infected. <laughs> like, all of the other books that feature these characters have become, like, pretty much essential pieces to the overall infected story, except for Shazam, because Shazam, you know, is a year late or whatever it is. Have we talked about, this is totally off topic now, but have we talked about Superboy Prime is going to be in Shazam? <laughs> we have we have texted about it. I don't think we talked about it on the show. We haven't talked about it on the show, but uh, the golden age is coming. Yeah. Uh, for a project that the first installment will come out mere two hours after this, uh, this podcast drops, I just reread Crisis on Infinite Earths this week. For the first time in a long time, I, I have I have referred to it a lot in the past, but I have not. It's been an, it's been at least five years since I've sat down and read uh, Crisis cover to cover, and uh, as soon as I got to the Superboy Prime stuff, I was like, "Ooh, baby, I cannot wait for Shazam." <laughs> it's gonna be good. Um, any other Supergirl thoughts? I'm gonna no. take that. Uh, I'm gonna take that as a no. So uh, that brings us to our final issue of the week, which is Young Justice number twelve, written by Brian Michael Bendis, illustrated by John Timms. 
Uh, before we get to this issue of Young Justice, did you guys have you looked at the the March solicits at all? I'm sure I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, so the the issue of Young Justice there. What well, what what I love about this issue is, and this is all this all ties in, is similar to what I liked about the Hawkman issue, where at the end of this issue you sort of see like all the Wonder Comics people come together, you know, for for this big story. But so that issue talks about how I guess like Young Justice is missing or unavailable, and so they bring in basically like a new Young Justice team for that issue. And it is the most amazing yes. lineup of of characters. It's I have seen that, yeah. I don't know if it's uh if it's Arsenal not Arsenal, sorry, if it's Arrowette or if it's Artemis. But 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 there's a uh there is a uh an archer in there. There is uh our boy Sideways in there, which Again, give us all the sideways. He was at Superman Day. We know he's important. <laughs> um, there's, uh, hang on, there's, I'm just pulling it up here. I'm trying to think who else was in it. Um, uh, Aqualad and Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Like, dang, that's that, very good. That, that's a very good lineup. So, I'm looking forward to that. But all of that kind of begins here. We start to see Bendis really bringing together all of the Wonder Comics characters under one title for a little while. And I would be totally thrilled if after Wonder Twins and Dial H wrap up, those characters stick around as part of Young Justice. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd I don't know if it's awesome. going to happen or not, but... No, because Young Justice will get, like, canceled or relaunched or whatever as well. I don't know. It's a Bendis oh, book. I don't know. I yeah. Well, it's a Bendis book, but I yeah, think... Yeah, so he'll move to on to a... something else. I think it's about to be a David Walker book, though. Possibly. That'd be great. I kind of, I kind of think Bendis is gonna pass uh, this book off. All right, let's let's do let's do DC three gentlemen's bet. How many issues does Young Justice go to? Under Bendis or total? No, total. Oof. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. We're at twelve now. We're. See, here's the thing. I don't think that they're going to cancel the book as long as Bendis' name is on it. Even as a co-writer or a plotter or whatever, I don't think they're going to do that. So I'm going to say that he's going to plot it with Walker through like the summertime. So that should put us at issue like 17 or 18, I guess. Yeah. Um, And so I think you're going to get another uh, six months under David Walker. So if that's 18 to 24 is my, my guess, 24. So, okay. Zach, I think it'll go longer. I think it, I, I do think that Bendis and, and Walker are going to co-write it for a bit. And then Bendis is going to pass it off maybe after an arc. I, I think about the 18 issue mark is where I would put that. But I think that the book will go on with Walker at least into, like, the 30s and maybe longer. I want to say, like, 30. Hmm. I'm going to say 34. Okay. 
and I'm going to say like 18. It's not long for this world. Would be interesting. Why do you think that? Because very few books last longer than that anyway. And this just smelled like all the Wonder Comics stuff. The other stuff's going to be coming to an end. This just smells like it's going to come to an end too. See, here's where I'll disagree with that. I think that all the other stuff is... Like, all the other books, even Amethyst, which isn't out yet, all of those are spinning out or into Young Justice. And so I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Young Justice be the flagship Wonder Comics book, and you're going to get books that are going to come and go that 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 spin out of Young Justice, but I think Young Justice will stick around, at least for a while. That would Same. be great. Same, be and great. I, I kind of think that Young Justice is important for what Bendis is wanting to do. Like I, th- I think it's an important book. Okay, I hope that's true. It's also the book, and reading this issue really drove this home for me. It's the book that I think feels the most like classic Bendis, both in good and bad ways. Yeah, specifically in that this, the stuff we're getting right now, sort of feels like the end of the first real arc of the book even though there have I think technically been two arcs already mm-hmm. but everything has been very decompressed and so like the team is just now coming back into the the like the current continuity they're no longer time traveling they're no longer in gem world or whatever and so I Snap feel like back to reality yeah exactly oops there goes gravity yeah um and uh, so I feel like Bendis is going to want to write at least an arc or two of of Young Justice as part of the DCU, not Young Justice reforming or being lost in time or whatever. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I agree. I think that this book's going to be around a while. I feel like there's a lot of story to be told. Um, I I really liked this issue. I thought like it might have been like maybe my favorite issue of the series so far because it did like have a little bit of time to breathe and also because it tied in all of the Wonder Comics characters in a really fun way. Um, yeah, I I liked this issue a lot. I actually had to read a few issues to catch up to this and kind of like culminating in this like big crossover was a lot of fun, I thought. I, I enjoyed this. It might have been my favorite comic of the week, actually. Well, Vince, what say you? Um, yeah, this was okay. I, I, it, it really got good for me when, when the Dial H for Hero uh, character showed up, which wasn't until, like, the last four or five pages or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know... I, I'm just getting a little between this and Legion of Superheroes. I'm getting a little bit tired of the overbendis dialogue that he's been really good about reserving from his Superman stuff. I feel like there hasn't nearly been as much of that over there. And here you just uh, you just there's so much of it. So much back and forth. Useless banter. Um 
once once the Dial H characters show up, I, I, I just I just like that book so much and um I like those characters and I, I like the idea that maybe maybe uh Miguel gets to be an actual hero for a while beyond that book. I, I kinda hope that, you know, when that book ends, maybe he'll continue to to carry the dial around, you know. Um this Did you book like kinda... that they uh made him a Spider Man? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And somebody said, Oh, it's a Miles Morales, but look at that. Come on, that is Spider Man twenty ninety nine. Yeah. Plus they're both named Miguel, so <laughs> um yeah. Uh, uh, how do you yes, feel about I, the the world the warlord crossover? Oh, uh, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Come on, Morris Guitarist all the time. <laughs> yeah, Brian loved conversions. <laughs> yep. Um, um, no, I love that James my... Robinson Trinity arc. <laughs> yes. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. Um. How long do you think until we see Connor show up in a Superman book? Well, now that now that Connor is, I mean, he's missing at the end of the book, but now that they're on the hunt to bring him back to the modern day, like once he's back, he'll be there. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. I just i I think this book is really interesting, both in how much I feel like it's clearly building up like some of Bendis's plans. Um, how well it ties together all of the Young Justice properties and bringing in Naomi, and then also how well it kind of fits with the things that he's doing in the Superman books. Um, I, I just really enjoy how fun and interconnected everything that, that Bendis is doing right now is. Yeah, and you know we'll talk about Legion next week, but I feel like the Bendis dialogue here, I'm more forgiving of it, and, and this is probably a bullshit reason, but... I feel like I know these characters better and I care about these characters more. So when when we get the sort of overlapping dialogue stuff, it's not I don't have to think about all right, who am I reading? What do I know about them? Am I supposed to know this relationship? Does this snark make sense? Like I know what all the characters here, their motivations are. And so I can just read it in a more streamlined way than that I can with Legion. Does that make any sense? That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's fair. And again, we'll talk about Legion next time. So, Oh yeah, we will. Uh, so let's do our lists. Unless you guys have more to say about young justice. Nah, I'm good. Okay. On the uh, good list this week, we have Gotham city monsters. On the OK list, Batman and the Outsiders, Catwoman and Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Dollhouse Families on the Hill House list. Sandman Universe list has House of Whispers. And that's all, folks. Uh, Vince, what are we going to be talking about next week? Oh, my gosh. Um, I've got it here. Hang on. OK, we are going to be talking about Aquaman, Batman's Grave, um the flash flat well we won't be talking about flash forward but it's it's coming out <laughs> it's on the beware the creeper list i think um it is. Fre- freedom fighters final issue of freedom fighters uh justice league odyssey legion of superheroes 3 the lolo woods 2 
Uh, Lucifer 16, Nightwing 68, Question the Death of Vic Sage number two, uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, and Teen Titans. All right. Uh, if you need to get in touch with us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. I am at Woker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is um, he is burning down the house. Ah, there. You, okay, whatever. And and he's burning down the house. He's so excited about the Packers being in the NFC Championship game. There you go. There you go. He saved it. Hey, I. I, I Listeners may not know this. Vince is convinced that I've cursed his team whenever I watch them, uh, <laughs> even though that's never really been a thing. But he yells at me whenever I watch it. So I, I, I told them last night, I'll only put on the game if you tell me to. And I didn't. And uh, so you're welcome. Uh, uh, hey, but I told you you could. You're making it sound like I'm a monster or something. I told you you could watch it. No, the monster is the gambling monster that's enslaved your mother. I call him <laughs> Gamblor. Let's go rescue her from his neon claws. That is from an all-time great Simpsons episode. If you guys haven't seen the, uh, what's that one called? Uh, it's the game when the get when gambling comes to Springfield. Yeah, one of the best episodes of the Simpsons. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next time. Take You don't have four children, do you? Mm, not that you know about. Yeah, it's that's, possible. That's true. There's a non-zero chance. Yeah. That one time Vince had sex, it might have been quadruplets. You never know. <laughs> oh, man, you suck. <laughs>